the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast with Steelers Digest Editor Bob Labriola. Okay, Coach, you're very close to the end of your time this summer at Heinz Field. Uh, were you able to accomplish what you needed to accomplish here? I feel comfortable that we were. Uh, it was important that we get the train out of the station, if you will, to, to display our physical conditioning, to start to develop an understanding of what we're asking them to do, and, and not only big picture but individually their roles in it, um, to establish some cohesion and understand not only our personality, our desired personality in all three phases, but just what is required to win. What are some baseline things required to win in the National Football League in all three phases? And so we've been working on conditioning. We've been working on skill development. We've been working on football intellect. And we've kind of gotten enough accomplished here that we can say that the train is out of the station. But those things, and, and that's something that I've been a point that I've been making to the football team, um, you know, those irons in the fire will remain hot throughout throughout our entire journey. We're going to continue to grow in all areas if we're doing the things that we need to do and working to develop to be the type of team we desire to be. In this your second year having training camp here, things smoother from a logistical standpoint? It is. It's very smooth, man. Our our operations people here at the stadium do a great job of making, making us feel at home doing a nice job of converting the stadium in a lot of ways into a facility, the weight room, the dining facilities, and all of that. Training room services, is all, of, all of that has been spectacular. Uh, a part of the schedule just about every single day, both in training camp and then into the regular season, is walkthrough. What happens at walkthrough? Walkthrough is when we, we gain some exposure about the work that we're going to do that day, and it's done for a lot of reasons. Uh, different people learn in different ways. Some people learn in a classroom setting, sitting in seats. Some people learn very much in an in-helmet perspective-like setting, and that's what the walkthroughs provide. Uh, It provides an in-helmet perspective on the work that's going to be done that day. And then ultimately, a lot of people learn by doing. And so there's a process by which we teach that we subscribe to where we classroom it, we walk through it, and then ultimately we execute it in a practice setting all done to, to meet people where they are in terms of learning, but also to, to, to work toward efficient practices. Uh, the walkthrough bridges the gap between meetings and practice where hopefully we have better execution in practice because of the walkthrough. Is there a point during this camp preseason process when you want to have a five-man offensive line unit together so that it can develop cohesion for the start of the regular season? There's no question. Uh, The sooner that's identified, the better. Um, But, again, um, the sooner it is identified, what you don't want to do is misidentify the appropriate five. And so as soon as we have an understanding of that, um, that group will begin work, and that's happened in a lot of ways, to be quite honest with you. Uh, We just choose to not make any bold declarations regarding it. It's not necessary. We like to work behind the scenes and and hone our skills and readiness for for the for the battles that lie ahead. The phrase offensive line cohesion is used a lot. What's it mean to you? It's multiple men working together. And when you talk about in identifying units, um, you know, the offensive line, particularly for the offense, really is a shining example of that. The secondary, when you're talking about the defense, is another shining example of that. Uh, Collective work is important. The ability to communicate, the ability to do a job collectively, to, to lean on strengths, to work to minimize weaknesses. The protection of the quarterback is a multiple-man job. Uh, those guys work hard together. Keeping a lid on it on the back end in the secondary is a multiple-man job. 
uh, oftentimes we got five and six guys on the field working collectively in that charge. And so, you know, um, collective work is important. Uh, offensive line play is probably the signature of it on offense. Secondary play is probably the signature of it on defense. For the first time in a while, teams will cut their roster somewhat gradually before having to make the big cut on August 31st to get down to 53. Do you like the gradual process? It doesn't matter to me, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, whenever there's time to cut, uh, you're, you're generally in position to make those decisions. You have a general understanding about what has transpired and about who's deserving of moving forward, and, and oftentimes those decisions are clear ones. Did you get a reason, or do you have any feel for what the reason that they changed it to this way? There, there were a multitude of reasons um, in, in committee and so forth. I, none of them really stand out right now, and I don't think largely a lot of us really care, to be honest with you, um, of when that is as long as we have sufficient time to do the evaluations. And, and, and it has been that through this process. Uh, we had to cut down. Um, we had to cut five guys this past week. Um, we were ready at that point. We had seen enough to do that. And I imagine we'll be in a similar position moving forward. About a week ago now, the team made a significant acquisition via trade when inside linebacker Joe Schobert came over from Jacksonville. What does he bring to the defense? You know, he's a veteran player uh, who has known and consistent productivity, and, and that's very attractive. Not only productivity in terms of uh, run game tackling, his, his tackle totally is what it is. It speaks for itself. But this is a guy that's that's been one of the best interceptors at the linebacker position in recent years in our game and is, has, a, has a resume of quarterback pressures and sacks. And so he plays a well-rounded game. We're highly familiar with him because not only did we play against him when he was in Cleveland, but we also played against him since he's been in Jacksonville. And so we've seen that guy every year of his professional life, and and he's been a consistent and productive player, and so we're glad to have him. Uh, Schobert made the Pro Bowl in 2017. That was also the year that you and your staff coached the AFC team in that game. What did you learn about him through that experience? (laughs) You know, not very much, to be very honest with you. It's funny when you're working the Pro Bowl – some of the most familiar guys in those settings don't do a lot of interacting with you. Divisional opponents. Um, I, I, I remember fondly riding to practice every day on the front seat of the bus, sitting across the aisle from, from Suggs uh, every day because he was also on that team. And all we ever said to each other every day was good morning. Um, <laughs> you know, um, sometimes, you know, familiarity is not a good thing. And Joe – Joe probably had a similar mentality. He's not an overly talkative guy anyway. I think some of them AFC North guys uh, didn't want to fraternize with us too much during the course of the work week. Uh, when you look at Schobert's history, it reminds me a little bit about Joe Hayden in that neither one has had experienced a lot of team success before coming here. I mean, it, does that? do you find that guys in that situation are hungrier maybe to win? It's no question that that's an element of it, you know, particularly those that are in their career that have been recognized in the ways that those two guys have been recognized. You know, both guys are Pro Bowl caliber guys. Both guys are, you know, second contract guys and have been rewarded financially uh, for their career and the success that they've had. And so, uh, obviously, when you're starting to check boxes, when you look at your career and your resume, um, everybody's got a desire to win and feel what it feels like to be highly competitive and pursue world championships and things of that nature. And it's reasonable to expect that to be a motivating factor for guys like those guys. 
Recently, the NFL released its annual rules changes and points of emphasis video, and that explained one of this season's point of emphasis is to penalize taunting. Where do you stand on this point of emphasis? You know, I'm in support of it. You know, we, we, we are we're examples to, to the younger generation of guys that play this game and are involved in this game, and, and there's responsibility that comes with that. Um, oftentimes, I wish our network partners um, would be more cooperative in working with us and presenting us in the very best light to those people. Um, but we also have a responsibility, um, and so I'm a supporter of it largely. Emphasis, or excuse me, enforcement of this would seem to be highly subjective. Uh, with what qualifies as taunting likely to vary from crew to crew. Uh, is that a problem potentially with the uh, uh, tendency for I don't, arbitrariness? Involved? I don't believe that it is. We have no intentions of towing the line. If you have intentions of towing the line, it becomes problematic in a thing of discussion. But that's something that we want to stay completely away from. And so we hadn't spent a lot of time focused on it or talking about it. I expect our guys not to be involved in that and, be, and to display the professionalism uh, that they have. Is there any clarity at all developing with respect to the depth chart at running back behind Najee Harris? Yeah, it is, man. Um, you know, different guys have different skill sets. And more than anything, it's less about depth and more about specialization. The guys bringing their special skills and traits to the table. Um, Anthony McFarland has a different skill set than majority of the runners, so it's reasonable to expect his area quickness and, and spatial play to be a factor, and, and that's a way that he can contribute. Uh, Benny Snell, over the course of his career, has proven to be a solid short yardage and goal line runner. Uh, he's got a good pad level. He's got strong legs. He's got good drive after contact. And so, you know, he lends himself to, to a role in, in that area. And we're getting to know some of the others. Um, but I, I think in today's game, I think that's what it's about. It's not necessarily about a depth chart per se, particularly when you're talking about who falls behind Najee, but it's more about uh, what skill sets they bring and how can we accentuate their talents when called upon. Uh, you mentioned McFarlane and Benny Snell. What have you seen from Kalen Balazs? You know, he's got a well-rounded skill set. Um, he's athletic. He's got, he's got good speed for a guy of his size, and he's also very strong. He missed a block of time here recently due to injury, and that's unfortunate. We're glad to have him back out and, and watch him continue to make a state, to state a case for himself and his inclusion in this and the carving out of a role that kind of highlights some of those well-rounded skills I mentioned. Tonight's the third of your four preseason games. So what are you looking for that's different from what you were looking for in the first two? I expect an elevated level of execution. I think that's a reasonable expectation considering this is the third game that we've come into, but also considering there's some semblance of planning, uh, not only in terms of game plan schematics, but also utilization of people putting people in position to perform. Uh, we, we cared very little about that, to be honest with you, over the course of the first couple of games. And so it's reasonable to expect our collective execution to be better and cleaner in this venue.